Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, friendo, Steve here. And Lars. And welcome back to Going In Raw, the only pro wrestling podcast you'll be listening to. It's back, dark side of the ring. Uh, this is always a lot of fun to do these Reviews today, obviously, is going to be a bit heavier than uh, than some of these. But, I mean, God, we didn't even do the one with the, the Jake Roberts, the Smith family. That's right. Uh, because that one was just heavy across the board. Um, we sort of explained ourselves back then. But this one, uh, the plane ride from hell uh, episode kicking off the second half of season three um, was uh, interesting, to say the least, in that. When the plane ride from hell is commonly discussed, it is discussed in a way that has never really had the proper weight behind what was going on on the plane. And it hasn't had the singular voice to frame the conversation about the plane ride from hell. And this episode absolutely had that with Heidi Doyle, one of the attendants on. Yes, because I think. Previously, we've gotten one perspective on the plane ride from hell, and that was the wrestlers on the plane. I believe this is the first time we've heard from, uh, you know, one of the flight attendants or one of the one of the crew members of said plane. It's also you the know? first time we've heard this story play out in a way that was that was given the proper respect towards the gravity of the situation. David Bixen's been uh, tweeted out. Um, a compilation. There's two different times this incident was discussed um, prior to this that are sort of the more popular uh, ways. And it was like uh, they were both animated. Uh, One was, I think, in the WWE animated show where they sort of recollect uh, uh, incidents from the past. Like, God, what was the show where I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what it was called. I I forget what it was. Story time. The story time. Story time. Yeah. Story time was one of them. And then, God, I, I so apologize. I, I, but it was too much. It was too. Well, in the Ric Flair documentary, they told the story. I don't know if it was this incident or a similar one that was, I believe, animated in that. Okay, that could I be. I thought so. I'm not, unless I'm thinking of the story type one. That's entirely possible. Uh, let's see here. Give me one second sure, sure, here, sure, sure. and I'll find it. Um, but yeah, like it, the whole theme of. Boys will be boys. And what that really means is sort of the obviously the prevailing one here. And up until, you know, obviously with the Me Too movement, with the speaking out movement, things have changed. Accountability is a real thing now. And the gravity of what goes on, the 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 dynamics, the power dynamics at play is obviously something that is on on people's minds these days and holding people accountable for being shitty and that's what this episode 
you know, really reflected. And, and, and I, I, honestly, I can't wait. I, I really hope we're able to get Jason and Evan back on the show, yes. maybe at the tail end of the season, um, so that we can really get in depth with some of this stuff. Because I'm wondering at what point along the way, when this episode was brought up as an idea to do, was it ever like, hey, this is this is going to be a funny episode to produce or a fun episode to produce? And where did it turn into? No, this was fucked up. Because when you taught when when you see the one of the animated bits with Flair, he's narrating it, and I think it was in story time, and like in his words, the flight attendants who were all drawn as very buxom, you know, cart- they're obviously in cartoons but very buxom and very willing participants in this whole thing. And he even mentions one of them was backed up against the captain's cabin and he wouldn't let her in. And then he says something like, oh, and you know what they wanted. And it's like, oh, this is so goofy and fun. And it's like, no, it's not. It's, it's horrifying for these people. And, and, And so I wonder if there was any moment early on when they realized this is damning to Ric Flair. And then what were they thinking when Tommy Dreamer started talking and the stuff that was jaw dropping coming out of his mouth? (laughs) Did did they realize in the moment this guy just totally hung himself? I mean, I would... Those are those are questions that I would love to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So let me go back. So I was uh, I thought I remember something in the Ric Flair 30 for 30, the ESPN documentary. That was an animated bit about him exposing himself. And it was it was uh, an incident prior because uh, Sting was on this plane. So I imagine it's in his WCW days. And uh, this is a quote. This is from a Deadspin article where uh, Sting in this says, I mean, I've never seen a guy with his pants pulled down more than Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. And this morning mm-hmm. after, of course, Dark Side had aired last night, um, I f- my apologies for not uh, remembering or, 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 or being able to reference who posted this, posted a little snippet of a Shane Douglas interview. And he's talking about how embarrassed he was uh, by Ric Flair seemingly exposing himself in public places. Yeah. So this is not an isolated incident. No. Um, so this is I, a pattern of behavior. I finally found out there is a ton of, you know, right. Bixen's been tweets a lot. Um, but, you know, obviously this Dark Side episode has blown something open, um, yes. which will probably have wide-ranging implications. It's funny, I was watching, uh, I had both our friendos from Church of Joshia. Uh, Kayla mm-hmm. was, I was watching her Twitch stream. She was watching Salute mm-hmm. Underground. And Alex mm-hmm. was doing a watch along with this. And mm-hmm. I only caught the beginning of it, but I can only imagine. I know she, uh, Alex had kept it up on her channel. Mm-hmm. She's doing watch along with Dark Side. And I can only imagine, I haven't gone back to watch it yet, but I know she had a tirade at the end about Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. And I yeah. can only imagine her jaw dropping live on air, you know, watching oh, this thing. Because I totally did watching it, watching it on my couch. I had only seen like a clip last night when he had mentioned the crap about, oh, people are offended, but, you know, be, at my hair and equating that with people being offended over a second. I'm like, what? But when he then said, like, so that's the only thing I saw last night. And this morning when I watched it, I was sort of prepared for that. But I wasn't prepared for him saying, well, she took the money. Maybe she should have gone to the cops if this was so important. I gasped. I was like, fuck you. 
I can't, like yeah. that's insane that it, today you would still after everything after everything that's come out that's still a philosophy somebody would have after everything we know about trauma and and victim blaming and this and that that he would have that line of thought and it's, think that it was okay to say that yeah there is several times when Tommy Dreamer was talking I was like oh my gosh did did you really just say that so it was a uh, 30 for 30 with ESPN yeah. and then story yeah, yeah. time. Yeah, so it was both. Yeah, the, the 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 one on the plane with Sting is is, is again this Deadspin article has a, some uh, some a write up about it. So I remember that watching the the 30 for 30, I'm like you know, this this I mean he's he's exposing himself in public. Maybe animated form is not the best way to present the story, you know? Yeah, so he actually says he and this is right, but it the way Flair describes it is actually similar to the way but in a joking way that Heidi describes it in the show, sort of backing down a flight attendant, but in a fun way. Um but apparently he said Bixen Spence says, "I don't believe that either clip is supposed to be referencing the plane ride from hell." Which makes it even worse, which means that this was something that he would regularly do. And yeah, like you said, there was the sting. Yeah, that's right. This was just something he would do. Yeah. yeah. Is this something he did? Yeah. And, and, and that's what that was referenced in, in Dark Side 2 is, is when Rick wanted to pop, pop his fellow wrestlers. Yeah. He would wear his robe and nothing underneath. Yeah. And... <sighs> And it's like, it's one thing if you're in a locker room full of dudes with the same mentality. Like, I, I still think that wouldn't fly today regardless, no. especially today. I mean, I that's one not. thing. One of the takeaways with JR at the end saying, you know, the, the, the younger generation probably looks back on this and sees what not to do. And mm-hmm. that's why you got a bunch of people with heads on screwed on properly these days. Um, I mean, it'd be shocking to think that. Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns or, or or any or Xavier Woods or any number of the people would be doing that kind of stuff these days. It'd be shocking if, if that was the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, evidently with the speaking out stuff, you know, there was a certain element that was still at play. Yes, yes. But uh, yes. in terms of like the, you know, the, the upper echelon of WWE or, or WWE in general, seems like they would probably have less of a less of a tolerance for that these days. Um, but uh but yeah, I, I don't know. I was I was completely blown away um, by something that you know when we first heard this was going to be explored. I did not think that it was that it was going to be like this. Well, again, as Denise yeah. Alcedo on Twitter said, this is one of the she used the word most incriminating episodes. Yes, um, of Dark Side. It really was. Yeah. I mean, because you know, granted, I haven't done you know tons of research on the plane ride from Hill. Hell, you hear yeah. stories. And you hear uh, uh, about a pretty extreme level of debauchery happening on this sure, plane yeah. in terms of drinking, in terms yeah. of drugs. I don't remember reading anything about people slipping halcyons to people's drinks. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, the the perhaps the most famous stories were were Lesnar and Mr. Perfect wrestling, mm-hmm. and then X Pac, yeah, X Pac chopping off uh, Michael Hayes's ponytail. Yeah, yeah. Those are the two stories that I feel like really got the most traction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this 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 goes way deeper, way yeah. more in depth, and as you mentioned, way more incriminating. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, getting getting Heidi Doyle on camera, and I mean, God bless her. Yeah, obviously, yeah. recounting this stuff is is traumatic in itself. But like mm-hmm. her philosophy at the end is, if I have to say this, if I have to have this horrible conversation twenty five times to help one person, 
then it's worth it. And it's like, you know, thank God there are people like that out in the world yes. willing to put themselves out there mm-hmm. publicly. Um, the where, amount of strength and, and, and bravery it takes to do that is is, is pretty incredible. Exactly, it's yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, so we can go through some of the beats here and some just some of the more jaw-dropping, well, uh, mind-boggling. Before, before I get to that, yeah. I, I want to get to one point about the, the Flair stuff and how the two stories that have been related in terms of him exposing himself are have been animated and definitely told the prism through the prism of I'm sure how Ric Flair chooses to remember. Them. Sure. Yeah. You know, relatively lighthearted. Ha ha. What a funny joke this is mm-hmm, Yeah. to expose yourself in public. Like, I don't know how, why, why those incidents are presented in, in such a lighthearted manner where there's nothing lighthearted about it. I mean, because accountability, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I think it's just, it's, it's, you know, with, th- there is a, that is a, that is a question that I think can be asked of, uh, people in Hollywood, you know, with the, with the me too stuff, people in the corporate world, you know, I mean, I know just anecdotally, um, well, I'm not going to speak on that because it's personal stuff and I don't want to get my sister in trouble. But um, but the disparity between power roles in, in, in gender uh, is something that goes back, obviously, historically speaking, you know, hundreds of thousands, you know, thousands of years, hundreds of years, decades, et cetera, et cetera. That is a question where, unfortunately, it just it has taken time for work to be done and brave people to step forward and say enough of this shit. Like this stuff isn't good. It takes, you know, a random stand up set by Hannibal Burris to call out Bill Cosby. And then he gets accountability and then some of the dominoes start to fall. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the world of pro wrestling, it takes one Heidi Doyle mm-hmm. to properly put into context hey, this isn't funny. Let's think, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's revisit this. Let's think about this. There's victims here. There are yes. people who now think about this. This and it's, it's doubly heartbreaking. This lady just had a kid at the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that all she wanted to do was get back and be a mom and make a dollar for, to, 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 to raise her kid. And now she's got this in her head for the rest of her life. She has Scott Hall being a piece of shit for the rest of her life. She has Ric Flair grabbing her hand and putting it on his genitals for the rest of her life. You know, I mean, it takes one brave person, unfortunately having to relive this shit um, for any change to happen. And she, 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 she put it so, I think unintentionally eloquently when she said, you know, what you want and what should happen is change, but what you get is money because that's how corporations work and they have NDAs and they've got mm-hmm. this, that, and the other your settlement money. Well, we're not going to change anything, but we'll give you a bunch of money. Yeah. While we're on that topic, let's talk. Uh, so they, they explained in this episode that it was a private jet, the WB, WBF at the time, 
had chartered to take him to Europe. They used it for the tour and returned back to the States. And so while the, the entire plane was well-appointed, I think they said usually a, 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 a plane of this size has like 192 seats. This one had about 50. Mm-hmm. And it was from a service that, that it was their business to charter flights for professional sports teams. And professional sports, sports jet. Organizations. Yeah, yeah sports jet, I think it was called, something like that. Um, and so even with that, though, there was a partition that there was the front of the cabin, you know, which was is usually on a normal passenger plane, mm-hmm. first class. And then, you know, what would be you know, economy was still, you know, uh, appointed with first class amenities, but there was still that partition. So of course, in the first class area was Vince, Linda, JR, I believe Terry Reynolds says she was up there. So uh, during the, the entire flight, they're, they're stuck on the tarmac for seven hours before they even take off. And it's probably what a six, seven hour flight across the Atlantic. Yeah. For the entire 14 hours, this stuff's going on. Vince is sitting there and not once apparently says anything wasn't that the weirdest punchline like the entire time you don't even think about i wasn't even thinking about that i was and i think probably along the way having heard about this before i'd probably known that he was on the flight Mm -hmm. but when you're watching this it's not in your mind that vince is present because and one of the more shocking uh, uh moments was twofold when at first jim ross head of talent relations says I don't know whose job it is to keep these people in line, to keep these adults in line, but it ain't mine. And then 20 minutes later, it was my job to keep these people in line. Well, which is it, Jim? Which is it? Are you supposed to be the head of talent relations and keep them in line or not? Or did you just not want to deal with it because you're used to boys being boys? So there's there's one one of the reenactments, I believe, is Vince telling JR to go. I think it was or someone telling JR to go. Uh, address the Mr. Perfect Lesnar. I think it was Vince. It was supposed to be Vince. Yeah, I think it was Vince. And, uh, you know, granted, who knows what JR's actual reaction, but in the reenactment, you see the JR actor. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, I wasn't on the plane. I don't know what JR's attitude was about that. It was a telling little bit of direction, though, in the reenactment, especially in light of some of his statements about you know, hey, it's not my role to have these these wrestlers uh, behave like adults. Yeah. And then not a few minutes later, I got to go and tell these wrestlers behave like adults. Essentially, yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, I mean, dude, if there were if there are actual cameras there, who knows? Who knows? But it's like, you know, dude, we've talked about before. One of the main reasons why seemingly WCW is such a shit show is because there was no accountability. There was no singular person. That person for many years was Eric Bischoff. And what happened when he fired one of the wrestlers, he got put in a closet by, uh, by Paul and Nash, apparently, allegedly. I don't even know if that was, I, I still don't remember if that was actually like confirmed or not or what, but, uh, but there seemed to be there at WCW, no amount of accountability. Yeah. People just yeah. do what they wanted to do. Um, with you with WWE, there is always Vince. There, you know, he would fine Steve Austin six hundred and fifty thousand dollars for walking out on a Raw match because they wanted him to lose to Brock Lesnar. He would yeah. uh, fire or suspend Ultimate Warrior for trying to hold him. There was accountability with Vince, and that scene that you're talking about, I didn't it, when, when it was when it was playing out. For whatever reason, my mind was like, oh, that was later on in the office when Vince was telling JR. But no, that was on the plane. Vince was there 
That was shocking to me. And, yeah, and well, JR, JR explained it this way. is like, Vince is the one that makes decisions, but mm-hmm. then he tells people to go and, and yeah. execute his yeah. de- decisions. If this needed to stop, Vince would have just walked back there, and in one word, it would have stopped. It would have been you done. Th- you like it's the face, though. You like to think if he went back there and just told them to all to sit down and shut up and go to sleep, you would think, given, hey, we've raised the ire of the boss now, we better shut up, sit down, and close our eyes. You would think, but... There's like two instances I can think of popularly in WWE history when people defied Vince, and one was the Montreal screw job. We saw how that worked, and the other was the Ultimate Warrior, and we saw how that worked. You know, I'm sure there's been any other instances, and maybe I'm some, just... But those famously... But yeah. Vince has the last say. Vince has the last word. He always wins. And the idea like that he couldn't have just gone back there... And said, hey, who here wants to be fired? No. Okay, then sit down and stop this. Um, yeah, no, I that that was that was that. I mean, you could tell you this this is one of the things where I just wonder if when the cameras started rolling, if Jim Ross didn't stop and think to himself, maybe I shouldn't be on this one. <laughs> you know, because he he doesn't come off as particular. I mean, at least he's being as 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 far as we can tell, as honest as possible, you know. And it's obvious that he understands this is a terrible look for just the entire the, everything yeah. involved, you know. Yeah, like one of the first things he says: "If I never have to talk about the plane ride from hell ever again, I'd be perfectly happy," you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wonder if this is just one of those things where I mean, obviously he understands the weight of it, and maybe it's one mm-hmm. of those things where, hey, I just need to get this off my chest and let you know things uh, things play out the way they do. Um, Tommy Dreamer almost gleefully, almost gleefully getting out the rope, forming a noose, <laughs> putting it around his own neck is shocking to watch. And of course, there are real world. Uh, 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 accountability for this consequences for this yeah. he it's been announced that he's been suspended indefinitely uh, indefinitely by impact wrestling i mean because of his statements on 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 the show yeah this is less than 24 hours yeah uh since this uh aired um and it, it's not i don't know how he can go into the knockouts locker room or a knockouts creative meeting and look anybody in the eye and you know and 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 talk to them um, because defending this behavior or equating outrage over his dumb haircut to outrage over sexual assault is uh, the height of obliviousness. Yeah, to say the yes. least. Yes. Um, so it'll be interesting if we get like a note zap. The dude, I mean, honestly, the dude just needs to he needs to listen and, 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 and do a little bit of soul searching because clearly he's got some backward ass views on uh, on this type of stuff. Yes. And it's a shame. To, it's a shame because, you know, who doesn't up until this point is, is like Tommy, you know, seems like a cool guy. But then he says shit like this and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, you need to. You know, need to do some uh, some soul searching here, Tommy. Yeah, maybe take a class or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever you do these days mm-hmm. to figure that stuff. Or read a book. I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not it's not to say there wasn't there wasn't some amount of um, uh, absurdly humorous 
things going on. I mean, the the whole bit about just JBL trying to catch some sleep and having you know having been busted open, and so he's got some fresh stitches. And then Michael Hayes, what, dude, I must have missed it. Was there a motivation for Michael Hayes? Uh, no, he got he got a, a, a Halcyon dropped in his drink. Hayes, oh, yeah, Hayes did. Yeah. Okay. And so and so I can't remember who mentioned this, but it, they said like he was not acting himself, so he just went up to JBL and just and just hit him. So he just then, yeah, there was no like actual real world like logic behind it. He was just like at JBL. Not that was not that was provided by the show. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, given what we've heard in the past about JBL, you got to think there was something triggering that. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, it's it's nuts. It's I yeah, drugs can do that kind of shit. But like you know, the the various things we've heard, J, we've often said here on the show, JBL is a fascinating individual. You know, um, seemingly He's a complex individual. That's for sure. A, a, a highly intelligent human being mm-hmm. who can play the stock market like a whiz and builds. Like houses for children in need, yeah. Or families he in need. To do a lot of really good charitable, right? Charitable, you know, philanthropic, 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 yeah. Work, um, yeah. But then at the same time, when you look back, a lot of the story, you know, him and Joey Styles, and Joey Styles was forced yeah, to punch he, him. He, he, this seems to be a horrible bully, <laughs> right? It's yeah, a complicated know? individual to say the least. So Michael Hayes going up and just like whacking him. And then, uh, and then after that, hey, uh, JBL knocks him out, and then X Pac, who got tired of apparently being buried in creative. Yeah, they didn't mention them on, on on the show. They had they cut that they they cut in the the little soundbite from him. I think from a shoot interview or something because we had watched, I believe that uh, him talking about that at one point when we okay. were still in the office. And I don't remember really his motivation exactly behind it. The way they kind of put it in the show was. Essentially, that uh, X Pac wanted to be liked. I That's thought that, how they put yeah, it. I thought that sound clip, and it was a bit muddied, but I thought that sound clip was something like he'd always bury me in creative meetings. No, could be. That's that's what I thought I heard. If I was wrong about that, please somebody correct me in the comments. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then and Jr. said something like he, he wanted to be a main event guy. Yeah, <laughs> and so he chops his little ponytail off. And he said, and then Jr. says he held it up like you just won the champion. Champion. <laughs> Everybody cheered him. For that, which is, you know, again, a violation, but at the same time, you could see the humor in that, you know, like you could see the humor in that. That's it's probably a novel thing, but it's it's a dude's ponytail. And for the reasons of you want to be a main event guy, a little surreal, bizarre. Um, uh, Kurt Hennig, uh, you know, getting some shaving cream and just slapping Brock Lesnar's the top of Brock Lesnar's head with it. Which, my God, I mean, Brock Lesnar, they accurately describe Brock Lesnar as a bear of a man in this. And for anybody to go up to him and do that is like, oh, my, why would you ever do that? No, Kurt Henning. But her, Kurt Henning wasn't a small guy either. And they're both, I think, yeah. from Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so maybe there was something there. And then they just start going at it and they get near the uh, the emergency exit. And, yeah. uh, and it was interesting how uh, uh, Heidi Doyle put it that it was less an issue of them like busting through the emergency exit, I guess, because, the, you know, they're in the air. You have to push that da- door outward. It's incredibly yeah, difficult to do. Yeah. It, yeah. Pretty. It'd be, it's, by the way, she, she put it, it'd be easier for them to, to break the fuselage. Yeah. The wall of the plane. Yeah. Because uh, I can't remember who it was. The Kyoto saying that like when they were wrestling and hitting the wall of the plane, you could feel the plane. 
you know, moving accordingly. Yeah. Which is scary. That's terrible. But if they had yeah. busted a hole in the fuselage, and then you're depressurizing the cabin, then you can make an emergency landing, but you're over the Atlantic, so that's a water landing. And yeah. Then you just, you lost like the entire like main event scene. Um, yeah, there was a, uh, I mean, kind of like buried within this too, when they're talking about Brock is him exposing himself to Terry Runnels and, and the, 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 the tragic way, the tragic way of how women had to deal with sexual harassment slash sexual assault back then was no sell it because you don't want to kick up any dirt. You don't want to, you know, uh, uh, stir the stir the pot, basically. So no sell it, which there just means t- don't talk about it. Yeah, there's twice during this episode where Terry Reynolds mentions that it was it was that incident, and also later on when uh, her ex husband Dustin uh, uh, Reynolds, Dustin Rhodes, uh, grabbed the 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 calm inside the plane and started singing mm-hmm, a song yeah. about heartbreak. Yeah. And and she went to go talk to him, say mm. and, and tell him, hey, just stop. And it was, I think she said, Paul Heyman, just told her, no sell it. Mm-hmm, yeah, and yeah. End up being a, a Jr. who went and talked to him. Mm-hmm. And then and Dustin in turn was the guy who pulled Ric Flair away from Heidi when he was exposing himself to her and putting her hand on his thing. Um, so she was like, you know what, the singing was terrible, and I wanted my microphone back, but I sort of gave him a little bit of a pass because he was the only guy on that plane. Um, to do something about that. Um. Uh, there was the Scott. Oh, the the the, the inter, sort of one of the interesting things was the repercussions afterwards. So yes. uh, Kurt Hennig was fired, mm-hmm. and Kyoto, uh had said, you know, he kind of figured that it would when the heat would die down, he would come back around. But of course, uh, Kurt Hennig passed away. Passed away, yeah. Fairly soon after this, I mean, it was within the year, I think, that he passed mm-hmm. away. Um, Scott Hall, who evidently was just like complete, like he claims that he was slipped uh, a halcyon mm-hmm. in his drink. He had a, a really gnarly interaction with Heidi as well, where he grabbed her, ripped her shirt, and licked her apparently. Um, and then that was her breaking point. She was like, I just went back to the galley and didn't move. Yep. And people yep. were mad at me because I wasn't giving them food or drinks. And I didn't care. And I was like, I was applauding that. I was like, man, yep. my, you know, your breaking point. I really wish it was a lot sooner. Like, you know, just, Hey, it's just, it's out of control. Um, yep. and so Scott Hall got fired, but I wonder if that was like, you know, because they had mentioned like, a, um, just incredible had mentioned that Scott Hall was basically passed out the vast majority of the time well, they thought they thought he he was dead he might have died yeah. um and so they put him in a wheelchair and jr for whatever reason seemed to be mad about mad about that and was given just incredible some static about it. he's like look i'm just trying to help out here yeah um and so uh so yeah, what, is, what is just incredible supposed to do just leave scott hall on the plane yeah right yeah and uh uh dustin rhodes got was it fined for that's how it was put because jr was talking about how he had an option of whether to to let him go or fine him mm-hmm. and jr said well i thought dustin learned the lesson through yeah. all this but then i th- so i think he said he was just fine but i th- for some reason it's in my head they actually actually let me double check because mm-hmm. i thought he was one of the people that got 
let go after this too. Yeah, because I thought because so like his seemingly his biggest transgression according to JR was using the uh be, the behind the seat the little flap that you put magazines in he was using that for his uh spittoon for yeah. whatever because he, he, he chews tobacco and he was spitting in that um whatever that's called okay so they allowed Dustin's contract to expire in December of 2003 so he wasn't let go okay that. okay um but seemingly I think Jr mentioned that he was suspended so there were some re- repercussions there mm-hmm. um and then of course he's asked. Uh, uh, why did Ric Flair get a pass? And you could just see the look on Jr.'s face and how he's like trying to diplomatically answer this question. And uh, he says, uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, you could say that he was a made man at a high level, so he got a pass. And, uh, you know, Jr. obviously understood how wrong that is. Um, but it's interesting because you sort of juxtapose that with what Ric Flair has said, you know, for example, on the Broken Skull sessions, that, you know, around that time, uh, his confidence was completely shot, you know, like, or uh, during the span of his career, anyway, this was 2002. This is pretty soon after he came back. And yeah. I forget which period of time he felt that he had lost his confidence completely. I mean, Ric Flair is a fairly complicated individual as well. Um, but, uh, but I mean, that it's interesting to me that Ric Flair had all these insecurities, but seemingly he was, like, untouchable. Like, you know, they, they wouldn't punish him even if he did, did do this stuff. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so the, the most, like, you know, heartbreaking stuff was after this one. Heidi was talking about the aftermath, you know, and yeah. she just went right yeah. out there. They were starting to clean up, but then they found some syringes, and God. they were like, we're not Vomit doing this. blood yeah. and all sorts of stuff. And, and then, then the, yeah, they're like, we're not doing that. Yeah. The captain was like, no, you guys need to clean up. And she was like, I heard him say that as I was leaving the plane, you know. Yeah. Um, and then she goes home, and it's the saddest thing because she talks about, you know, what do I tell my husband? We just we want to keep this quiet. And, you know, is are there going to be questions from her own husband as to, well, what did you do to elicit that? And that's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. That's because your, your, your spouse is supposed to be the person who protects you, yep. who does everything they can to say, hey, what do you need? And uh, what do we do to make it better with you? Not well, why did you do this? You know? And unfortunately, I think in too many relationships, that's the case. And and that was heartbreaking to hear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, she talks about there was another girl on the flight who did file a lawsuit, and that's where the settlement came from, and that's when Tommy mm-hmm. Dreamer said the absolute asinine comment of, you know, well, she took the money. If she was so important, she should have gone to the law enforcement. Um, which at that point, I was like, oh, fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, uh, RVD has a good point about, you know, Maybe it's not a great idea sometimes to meet your heroes because he call he refers to it as freaks, but you can kind of tell he says a lot of these people are freaks, but you can tell he has a heavier intonation when he says that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like that was a euphemism for some of them are shitty people. Yeah. So don't. You know, meet that's them. that's that's an adage that's that's been around for a long time. You know, don't meet your heroes. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because they're bound yeah. to let you down, you yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah. Is 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 you know you admire somebody for something they do or they've done, and you know you don't know the full person. Yeah. And when you learn who the full person is, you know 
there's there's a chance you'll be disappointed greatly disappointed you know for sure yeah um so yeah uh you know i'm glad they let heidi get the last word me too because they did and you know seemingly they did this in maybe two interviews um and i wonder if again good question to ask the filmmakers was she interviewed along in a batch with like the with the wrestlers and then maybe when they saw what they had went back and went back yeah. and, and and gave her the last word. I mean, that's a smart move. That's, that's, really such, that's such a great move um, to allow her to have the final say. I know um, because in like like we said at the beginning of the show for so long, this story had been told through the perspective of the wrestlers. Yeah, right. You yeah. know, and you're getting, a, you know, just one perspective of it. and when you bring her into the into the the story and get her perspective as well you get the fuller picture of what happened you know mm-hmm, yeah at this point has rick said anything has rick flair said anything about this not that i'm aware of no i thought i saw something where he but i looked at his social media and i looked at his i, I looked at his twitter and i looked at his uh, instagram and i didn't see uh, a statement or anything like that i didn't see a statement or anything like that i mean i don't know if he's got you know publicists or or whatever that would yeah, I'm sure he's got at least a manager. I mean, I'm looking at his. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You always go and look at the last tweet, if it's regarding this or not. And it's just like a picture of him and Undertaker. And it's like got a hundred, uh, a ton of like replies here. Just people just, you know, saying, man, I'm so disappointed in you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so. Uh, so no, I don't know. It'll be interesting uh, to see, you know, the further fallout of this. I mean, Rick, there there had been some speculation that uh, maybe Rick, Rick Flair, Flair might be, be brought into AEW. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, and you know, I wonder if that uh, is going to play into this. Um, you know, who knows what what future awaits Tommy Dreamer? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, even I, I really doubt that anything would happen with with Brock Lesnar. Um, but I guess you never know. I mean, he's got now a scheduled match with Roman Reigns at, at, at the Saudi Arabia show. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, something that happened 20 years ago was but a mere blip. Uh, you know, him exposing himself to Terry Runnels is like seemingly uh, the, the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of other behavior in this episode from other wrestlers. So. Something that yeah, might usually blow up would just be another, you know, just sort of buried in the rest of it. There's, there's a lot of, as you mentioned, little bits of, of, of mentions of, of behavior by other wrestlers that, you know, it seems like it has their own troubling stories potentially behind it. You I know, mean, even even RVD sort of throwing out uh, as a side note. Yeah, no, sometimes, you know, wrestlers would would slip local girls, you know, drugs and have their way with them is a horrifying statement unto itself. It is. You know, and I mean, look, we all we all understand that that wrestling back then, especially for whatever reason, for whatever reason, drew a certain element, you know, like when when Undertaker fondly remembers. And I know this is somewhat out of context, you know, uh, uh, back in the day, guys would have drugs and guns in their in their duffel bags. Um. You know, we've heard stories like, you know, even uh, Stevie Ray talking about, well, I went out to my car and grabbed a gun and almost shot Vader because he shot on a guy in during a, a, a battle bull match. Mm-hmm. That that rough element back then came with, you know, with that 
became just a lot of behavior that on one hand it's it's easy to look at as oh man they used to carry you know they did a lot of drugs and they carried a lot of guns there's another element that's a lot bleaker than yeah. that you know yes. than self-harm because you think of drugs sometimes as just oh it's self-harm that guy ended up dying younger than he probably should have because his heart exploded yeah, yeah, because yeah. he had too many drugs yeah but there was probably a lot of collateral damage along the way that is similar to what we saw in this episode. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I mean, and, you know, I think probably the best illustration of it is in the Grizzly Smith episode, you know, which we stayed away from just because it's like, I think you and I both, because there was so little actual sort of wrestling context in that episode, I, kn- I didn't feel personally equipped to really talk about that subject. Yeah. Same. You know, that because there was a lot going on there and yeah. not a lot of it had to do with, with wrestling. Um, and I just, I, I don't feel equipped to talk about that stuff. I just don't, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyways, do we know what's, uh, what's up next? Which, check? cause I did uh, not, I did not look either. What was up next? Did I mean, this season looks like next? it's going to have plenty of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching the FMW episode. They ran, they ran, uh, I don't know if it's next. They did run a teaser for the Canyon episode. So mm. maybe that's the next one. Yes, it is. I think I have seen. Okay, okay, that'll yeah, be interesting. Chris Canyon one's next. Yeah, that'll be interesting. He was a hell of a character. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that you know, we'll be talking about that next week. Let us know what you guys think about all this in the comments below. I, it's a heavy episode. It um, is. And uh, and yeah, um, I I'm very interested. Hopefully, uh, uh, Jason and Evan would would come back on the show and uh, talk about this. Uh, yeah. You know, this season, I know it's going to be a little, we'll see, hey, can you guys stick around for an extra hour or so? Did um, you watch, uh, have you watched the, the the season three preview they did? Uh, no, no. I've only seen like okay. the, the little trailer for uh, for season three. I'd recommend checking it out because it's not like it's, it's, it's huge on spoilers per se, but they give their perspective on some of the upcoming episodes and it's interesting stuff. So I'd, I'd recommend checking it out. Cool. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I will. Absolutely. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. We appreciate it till next time. We'll talk to you later. Goodbye. The Angie's list, you know, and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's list is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this 
when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.